are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Been a busy week, right? But a good week. Look at all of these people here. Exciting, exciting. People. Everybody's saying hi. If you haven't said hi, please do. Tell us where you are. I'm really starting to feel the need to schedule like an in-person uh, mm -hmm. event for this community, aren't you? Yeah, a live meetup. Into yeah. a live meetup. Live meetup. Like it, it feels more and more needed. Uh, I know. Every day. Hi, Sharon. How are you? It's such a beautiful day here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, sky. It's nice to see some. Uh, oh, yeah. Look at it. We've got quite a few Minnesotans here. It's awesome. Yeah. Hi, Alyssa. And I hope you're feeling better. We've got Pittsburgh. We've got California, Canada. Maybe at the beach instead of the ice hole. <laughs> they, uh, we, I'm already planning on the ice hole next year. I'm so oh, close. Oh, oh I love it. Klaus is here. Oh, back from vacation in Lake of the Ozarks. Sharon, we need to talk. Like, I need to understand if Lake of the Ozarks is really like Ozark. Uh, I know it is, but I'm curious. I'm so curious. So, so curious to talk about that. Um, we're gonna have to get together for a uh, meeting, Sharon. Um, so I hope everyone's had a great week. It's Friday. It's summer. Uh, everyone is in the heat of summer, yeah. uh, basically, for the most part. I know there's a part of the country, Maine, uh, where I will be next Friday, which is uh, not quite as hot as everyone else, but uh, the rest of the country has been uh, warm and in the summer. So. Um, How's your week been, Jess? Softball? Any softball? Oh, my God. I am a professional softball watcher. <laughs> <laughs> Three girls who play softball like crazy. Yes, we have another, We have state qualifier tournament this weekend. They'll be playing all weekend. I'll be watching in the heat again. I just ran, Jason. It's about 85 degrees and 50% humidity in Minneapolis. <laughs> I just knocked out a run. It's hot. and It's going to be hot all weekend, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I played yeah. tennis. I played tennis at seven this morning. Nice. Uh, it was already it, pretty warm, wasn't it? It was warm. It wasn't as warm as now, but it was. Uh, yeah, it definitely was warm. So, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, for those of you that are new, please identify yourselves. Um, <laughs> no, if you're new, put it in the chat. Uh, for those of you that are, don't that have not been here before, we use the chat a lot. So, uh, please in the chat, let us know that you're new. I hope we've got. A newbie or two. We don't do hazing. It's just to good, know that you're new. Uh, Jody, Amy, you guys are definitely not new, but good to see you. <laughs> good to see you guys here. Um, and uh, if you're new, we do this every Friday. Um, we have a resident uh, stats expert, Bryce Bender, who keeps us <laughs> on track with how many episodes we've done. I think we're at 110 now, um, or approximate approximately 110. Um, Oh, FNGs. What's FNGs? Are those like newbies? I don't know. Now I feel really <laughs> out of it. This is like when my kid Snapchats me stuff, but I don't know what it means. I have to like do a, uh, a search. Like, what's an FNG? Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid Misty, to Google it. <laughs> Misty Heard. Misty, that's a new name. Fun new guys, gals, geeks. Ooh, I like that. FNGs, interesting. We're gonna. Have, that's gonna be. We're gonna have to incorporate that into this. Who are the FNGs? Fun new guys, gals, geeks. Josh Rock, is this like a dating thing that I'm now bringing into the meetup here, or is this <laughs> like where do you get that FNGs? I've never heard of that before. But uh, don't Google. <laughs> <I know. laughs> okay, uh, we'll move on past that. Um, I guess we won't. I don't, I'm not going to Google it. Um, anyone that Googles it that wants to share the link, please feel free. Um, we've kept our, our non-explicit tag on, on Apple iTunes for uh, the last little bit. So um, let, let's, we'll try to keep it at that. But anyway, uh, we do this every week. We do this every Friday. And the way I always start is with a, a really important quick question. And the quick question is just, how are you? And it's quick, not because it's not important, but it's quick because it's uh, you know easy and it's really three things green you're great 
you feel really good right now. You feel safe. Uh, yellow, eh, so-so. Questioning a little about what's going on around you, et cetera, et cetera. And red, um, you know, not in a great spot. Um, so we've got some greens. Um, we've got some, a few yellows. We've got some ambers. Um, we have a sad red, yeah. uh, yellow pretending to be green. Exactly. And we have yellow, a red. Um, definitely, we've got green, yellow, red, all of the above. Um, Steve, red, uh, yes, misty, yellow, yellowish green. Uh, Jess, how about you? How are you? Mm, good. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> What's that? Mm. It's tricky. It's complicated. Life is tricky. Uh, I saw a really great meme. I love memes, by the way. That's like my emojis and memes are my second and third languages, I think. Uh, and I saw a really good one from some Instagram account I follow. Like sometimes you jump into life with a heavy suit of armor, like let's freaking go. And sometimes you strip yourself bare naked and just show up. Uh, I'm like, I'll find this. It was such a great, a great sentiment. And that's how it feels sometimes. Life is tricky. There's a lot that goes on and uh, you have to decide how to process it, how to let it affect your day and how to carry on. Thanks for starting with that song. Uh, so if you're red, um, you're in the right space. This community is a space where it's okay not to be okay uh, and to own your emotions. Um, and if you're green, you know, or yellow, just carry on, carry on. But acknowledge, right? We have to acknowledge. For sure. Um, the, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm yellow with a, shade of green and a shade of red also um you know i you know the the uh, the expressions and how we express our thoughts on this um meetup of course are are very individual mm -hmm. and you know one of the things that i've learned over time is that when you're mad or when you're sad or when you um, don't agree with things the best way to process that is to think about how you respond uh think about how you respond and think about what you do um you know we even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it live in a country in the united states specifically where we have a lot of freedoms um we have a lot of freedoms to vote we have a lot of freedoms to express our opinions we have a lot of freedom to express our rights where there are parts of the uh, world excuse me who don't have any of that um, you know, to the, someone, you know, Steve brought up the Supreme Court, um, you know, the Supreme Court, as you guys probably have seen, did overthrow, overturn Roe v. Wade, which is a huge, um, thing, I'm not, a huge event. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been spending the last hour with, uh, two boys talking to them about, what it means and why talking to them about what the Supreme court is, but also helping them understand that states control a lot and that voting has a huge impact to that. And while there's a sad day from a, an overall Supreme court point of view, uh, it's an important day for us to think about what do we do when we go to vote in November? Um, so that's thrown me just like, uh, John has thrown your autism into high gear. I'm in high gear, um, about how do you make an impact? Um, you know, we did see some progress about around guns this week. We also saw a setback around guns, but as a CEO, I was able to sign something that was presented to both the house and Senate that, you know, hopefully one little signature doesn't make it, but it helps. When it comes to yes. it helps to that new um, some of the new legislation, and I hope that one of the things that that today is done is continues to remind us the importance of voting, because I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I 
haven't taken voting as seriously as I should have my during my life. And uh, I feel more empowered and more uh, enticed to make sure that my voice is heard going mm. forward. Well said. Thank you. Definitely not practiced. Uh, yeah. Definitely top of mind, but um, it's definitely deep down how I uh, how I feel. Um, anyone else want to talk about this? Um, you know, if you do, let us know if you want to come on live. Because uh, once again, that's with community for we do have a great guest today. So it's not uh, not moving the guest out by any means. But, um, you know, this is a really important topic and it's important to be heard. And I would appreciate it if we don't make it one against the other. I'd appreciate it if we'd make it human. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the mistake we often make. We make everything a, a two party policy politics issue it's there's no two-party issue there's humanity period um and and we should be able to have adult humane conversation around humanity issues <laughs> like yeah you know, just, my i've really gotten into this point where my favorite color in the in this particular year has to be purple <laughs> just blend you know together. you see that my purple smoothie looks a little yes. gross. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, the combination of red and blue. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that we start acting more purple because um, we're digging. Uh, Leo just said it. We're digging holes for our kids that mm -hmm. they're going to deal with for a long time based on our uh, bipolar division at the moment. And uh, we're going to look back at ourselves and be pretty ashamed of ourselves. Um, I'm afraid uh, in a few years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, please put in the chat. Thank you, Howard. Elections do have consequences. Um, Jessica, definitely not afraid to talk. Um, I hope that no one's ever afraid to talk. Um, please, please, please never be afraid to talk about anything uh, in your life. You may have to be guarded as to how you do it a bit just to make sure you don't stand out like a, uh, you know, a blabber. <laughs> That's not a very good word, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. But really, really important to be heard, not only to be heard, but also to make sure that it gets off your chest and gets off your mind. Holly, um, I feel like we're moving backwards somehow. I, we, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it. We are. <laughs> I believe we are. Holly. And I don't really like to say that because I not try to be negative, but we are moving backward. And the, you know, if we look at, uh, you know, how do we move forward? It's all force. So it takes force to stop a train and to move that train. And once again, I'm going to say it again, this isn't about polit political party. It's about us as humans and what we're doing on this planet. So, um, you know, there's a lot of times we've been thinking about how we are moving forward. There's a lot of times that we have to admit we're moving backward and think about how do we uh, adjust. I'm just going to say adjust. Um, so anyway. is a system. It gives us levers to pull. Yeah. It's a system for execution and alignment, and it gives gives us levers to pull. So pull the levers. That that's the that's the impact we can have. Exactly. So another reason that I chose. So moving on. Yes, I chose carry on is uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, a tool that um, we were going to offer up to the community mm. um, as part of you guys being part of this community. And I believe you should have gotten an email with an invitation to that tool uh, earlier today. Um, the tool is called Uptime. Okay. And uh, we've uh, developed a great partnership with Uptime, who has offered this tool to the community as a way to quote unquote carry on, but really as a way to learn and to grow and to consume content and to consume knowledge and to help make us smarter in lots of different areas based on things going on in the world today. Um, Jess, I know you have some things to say about this as well, right. but. Um, I just want to say thank you, Uptime, 
A, but B, thank you for community for being a force because Holly, like you said, this group is a force. People are recognizing this group is a force and saying, how do we get in front of them? Uh, Sky's on a four day streak and loves it, which is great. I love that. Um, th so Jess, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll let you talk. No, about that's it. great. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, we have been uh, uptime users and lovers ourselves here at LeapGen. It's a knowledge hacking tool. It's a way to learn quickly on the fly. It's all of your favorite podcasts, courses, documentaries, hacked into five minute knowledge hacks. So it's easy, quick consumption, which is great. It's mobile, it, you know, I'm, I know I'm not a paid commercial. I want to say something in particular about this. I believe knowledge is power. I think learning and upward mobility is the way we answer our DEI promises, is the way we create the future workforce. We have like one of the areas of this HR people space we, we love, um, that is ripe for disruption is how we learn and enable people, how we upskill people and driving upward mobility in organizations by putting learning and knowledge and information in everybody's hands in a fair and equitable and accessible way is one way to do that. I love this platform for that reason. Forget like how cool it is and how cool the content is. It's accessible, it's inclusive, it's for everybody. There are no barriers. Um, so, and if you don't see the email, so the way we uploaded um, users so that you can use the premium version, like the best version of this tool possible at no cost to you, free, 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 free. This is our new platform for now of work content. Uh, if you didn't get it, it's because you're not in our Slack workspace. So please drop your first, last first and last name in your email into the chat and we'll send you an invite. Uh, we have to find a way to scoop up our Crowdcast audience too, but the Slack workspace was the easiest way for us to scoop most of you up. So please drop us your first, last name and your email, and we'll make sure you get an invite. It's a really cool tool, Jason. You said it's it's your favorite app to use. Is that still true? <laughs> it, it, it is my favorite app. And the reason why is because no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm doing, you know, I can learn something, you know, at the drop at the drop and it's really really tied to you know being able to do it quickly you know so look at all these look at all your names there. yes <laughs> um which is great but i mean if i go in to uptime you know i can actually read you know i just typed in roe v wade you know and i have a documentary hack right here the fight for reproductive rights yep which and I you can, can quickly like flip through it in five minutes or you can listen to it. That's what I mean by inclusive. You can use a reader. You can use like anybody at any learning level, any ability level can access content in like the most accessible format. It's it's so cool. Yeah, um, I you know, it's not it's a uh, something I didn't I haven't necessarily made known, but I'll make known to this community. I actually wrote a whole keynote uh, speech based on ideas. Uh, from uptime. So was really, really excited to get uptime into this community because the smarter we are and the better we are, the more we're going to be able to share together. So thank you for all putting your emails in the, uh, yeah. in the chat here. We'll get the uh, invite out to you guys right away. Um, and it really is video spark notes, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and by the way, keep your sparks. You, mm -hmm. uh, you guys, you guys will get a chance to spark content. Keep your sparks, and you know, as part of our meetups here, we'll share some of them. Um, you know, the things that you spark because it's uh, yeah. what what you like more than likely other people will like as well. Before we did our offsite retreat in Vail, Jason, like just as an example, we you know, oh my, what offsite retreat in Vail? Did did this whole community not? Did they miss up? Did they get miss an invite to Vail? Yeah, we did one from there. <laughs> I was yeah, in yeah. the mountains in the background. I'm but before kidding. we went to that, I, I hacked a podcast, five minute hack, again, a five minute hack. I read a book in five minutes called The Art of Gathering. And it was how to have an experiential moment in a, in a space like we were creating for people. And it gave insights and tips and how to create moments and that kind of thing a great book, The Art of Gathering, and I was able to flip through it in five minutes and get the perfect sparks and insights that I needed. 
again, I'm not being a commercial. I truly love this tool. <laughs> and we are so excited that this is a new space for us to share as a community. We're going to hack all of our podcasts, like our own Now of Work podcasts. Um, Excuse me. I just, I just typed in Leap Gen. Yeah. And there's a whole Now of Work section in Uptime with hacks. So when I go into one of these hacks, neurodiversity at work, I can actually see everything, including our names there from that hack. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a quote from Jose Velasco who was on at SAP. The more that you move through life, oh, sorry, I, it, it moved too fast. The more that you move through life, the less support exists for autistic people. Oh. So, that was such a great conversation. And the fact that we get to share these conversations and all of the learning and sharing we do together as a community in a multimodal format like that, it's, again, talk about inclusivity, which was the, the topic for Jose. Uh, so it's really, really fun to see the whole world that's on Uptime now getting to see the content that we create here within together. this community. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Holly, we're already, you, we, as a whole community, already are famous. We're making changes to the world. Mm -hmm. We're really, really yeah. excited about it. So let's move on. Uh, that was a lot. Let's, oh, you found the email in your junk folder. Okay. Well, that could happen. <laughs> um, yeah. L let's uh, move on to our guest, Chris. Yeah. Chris said he liked the book too, by the way, The Art of Gathering. So as we're bringing Chris on, happy Pride Month, everybody. It's, I can't believe it's almost the end of June. I'm Crazy. <laughs> I'm sad about that. But uh, we've been celebrating and acknowledging Pride Month all month long. That's a, That should be like a year-long celebration and acknowledgement, by the way. But this is the big weekend. This is this is the weekend. The, what, the most makes it, what makes it the big weekend, Jess? Well, maybe Chris can help me explain. But the last weekend of June and the last Saturday of the month in particular is sort of the biggest weekend for celebration. Hey, Chris, thanks Hello. for joining. Thank you all. I, tell me if I'm doing this justice, but in my, by the way, Minneapolis, where Jason and I are, I think you know that, Chris, uh, Minneapolis is one of the biggest cities for pride celebrations and parades and drag shows and, and theater events and community celebrations. Like, Minneapolis is like a huge hub for this. I've been, like our pride parade is amazing. Um, but it is the last weekend of the month in particular, the last Saturday of the month that sort of the most celebration takes place. Uh, Tends so, to be. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, Chris, to this amazing. Thank you. Movie. Thank you. So, so glad to be here. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, there's. I'm, I'm, I'm an extra, uh, introvert myself, so being in big groups of people is typically a little intimidating for me, but yeah. if there's going to be a group of people that I'm, that I'm with, it's people people because they're my people, <laughs> yeah. so it's good to be part of this community. So, Oh, wonderful. Well, we're honored to yeah. have you here. Uh, I, I mentioned Just a, a small thing. You know, Jess and I are introverts also. <laughs> Uh, more or at least power I, to I can't speak to Jess. I just I don't know if we've ever even talked about that about you, but yeah. I definitely am. Yeah, I'm one of I, I used to I used to work in. Sorry, Jess. I, I was going to say I used to work in in sales, and I would go to conferences and have to stand in front of my booth and hand out business cards and get people to talk to me and sell them on things. And boy, was that exhausting. Um, it was good for my. Uh, for my career and my skill building, but not so good for my long-term happiness. <laughs> yeah, Chris, tell us about yourself and uh, you know, and your mission. I mean, I love we, you know, almost everyone we have on has a quote-unquote personal mission, and that mm. personal mission is really, really important to mm. tie back to what you do from a professional standpoint. So, mm. would love to hear your story. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I. I'll just share personally, I grew up just outside the suburb, uh, the, the suburbs of New York City. So um, I was I'm the youngest of three boys and uh, had um, from a young age, a real interest in, in, in golf. It's a big, big part of my life. So I grew up playing a lot of golf, ended up getting recruited to play um, golf in college at Davidson, which is a small liberal arts school in, in North Carolina. Um, 
my college experience, which perhaps we'll get into a bit because it, it speaks to some of the work that I do, was pretty uh, challenging in the sense that it was a time in my life when I was figuring out who I was at the same time that I was trying to get really good grades, perform at the highest level of collegiate golf, uh, and just kind of make it through. Um, but I, I came into college not knowing at all what I wanted to study, what I wanted to do, and ended up taking a psychology course and was really en enthralled by the material and ended up taking every course that was possibly offered on industrial organizational psychology, um, business psychology, and was just fascinated with human behavior and leadership. And so in my career, I after college, I figured I can go a number of different ways. I could get a job in HR, I could go get a graduate degree in a related field, or I could just get some sort of role in business and find my way into HR at some point. And that's what I ended up doing. So I worked for a sales software company right out of college, which was a total grind. I was prospecting every day, cold calling every day, doing demos, going to conferences was, um, like I said, really good for my career. But after a few years, I said, okay, this is round peg, square hole type of situation. Um, and so I shifted from sales into client management, working with um, existing relationships, which is where I really hit my stride and, um, and building trusting relationships with my clients. And ultimately, you know, took on a number of different leadership roles on the client success world, and then was able to transition internally to a role overseeing people and culture for a company I worked for in New York City. So exactly what I always wanted to do, running a people team, um, kind of spearheading culture and leadership and developing talent. And after a couple of years, I realized, gosh, this is this is not what I what I'm sort of hoping for, you know, there was a sense of discord between my sense of purpose, which I didn't really put my finger on and what I was doing. And so I thought if I spent 10 years of my career getting to a place that I always wanted, but it's not in fact, what's working for me, I need to think differently about what I do next. And so instead of asking myself, what job out in the world is going to be right for me? Let me look inside and ask more important questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? And how can I bring that to life? And yeah. through that reflection, I realized that my purpose is really about creating safe space so that people have the courage to find and live their truth. And oh. for me, it's very much tied to my experience in college coming out and just wanting a safe space to be myself. And as I look back on all the times in my career where I felt like I was really contributing in a powerful way and having a meaningful impact was when I was creating safe spaces for people. And the impact of that was helping them live their truths, whether that was a one-on-one -on -one meeting, facilitating a conversation with people who feel safe enough to share their opinion. Um, and so now coaching is like a perfect way to bring that to life. It's what I do every single day is create a safe space for my clients to Really explore more about who they are and show up more powerfully as leaders. Hey, Chris, can I ask you a question that I'll, yeah. that I, just, I would love for you to define for everyone? Mm. What is mm. safe space? Like a lot of people use that term, um, and I, I mean, I can imagine what it is. And if someone asked me, you know, on the spot, what's a safe space? Like, you know, what I could talk about it. But when you use that term. Because I, I, I think some people don't know that they're in a safe space or not. Um, so what, what are the characteristics of a safe space when you use that term? Well, so first I'll say that the, the experience of being in a safe space is one that allows you to really fully self-express without holding back, without limiting yourself be, for fear of repercussions, right? And so if perfect example is I had a boss, a new boss once who our very first meeting, she came in and just started asking me about my team and what I do and my responsibilities and was like very performance focused. And to me, it's like, I don't, I don't even know you yet. We need to build trust. I need to feel safe to connect with you so that I like, this can be a really good relationship. So there's um, trust, right? Building trust connection 
understanding, empathy, um, all of those things, I think, help create a space where people feel safe to show up, engage, collaborate, be themselves. You know, Chris, I just added a poll here really quickly. So if you guys click on polls, uh, you guys will see a poll that just popped up. And the poll is, do you feel your workplace is a safe space? Oh, you see, I didn't even type it right. Do you feel your workplace is a safe space is what I tried to put there. Um, I'm just curious because, um, you know, I, I think that work is such a, an interesting part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really curious as to, you know, the people here, what they actually think. Uh, you know, Chris, if you were betting, what percentage would you say feel that their workplace is a safe space? You know, I think the answer to that question probably determines on the, the or it probably um, is influenced by the demographics of this group, right? So how how many folks in this group identify as an underrepresented, as part of an underrepresented community, right? So if this was an all queer group, I would say that the answers were probably shifted more towards no than, than yes, or if there are folks that are more the only in their space, then I would say it's gonna be shifted more yes towards no. I haven't actually looked, what is the... It's really interesting to think about it, 64% yes, 36% yeah. no. Um, which, by the way, based on who's in this community makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, the the 30 the thirty X percent is still a, a freaking high number um, that, yeah. that hurts. And even Maureen made a point in the chat there, need a middle option, yes and no, it depends on who I'm working with. Yeah. Um, which, uh, of course, Maureen, sorry about my lack of analytics, my lack of data science in my quickly added poll there. But uh, yeah, I completely agree. That makes sense, uh, Maureen. But Chris, that's really helpful because, go ahead. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say, that's the experience that I had. And I know so many other queer people have when they enter a new workspace is looking around for signals and clues that determine whether or not I'm safe here. So one of the signals for me in my last job was there was someone at the executive level who was out and had a really great relationship with the CEO. And so to me, that was like, oh, cool. So this is this is good. There's like good connection. There's there's visibility and representation at the highest level. That to me is a signal that that um, folks in our community are welcome here, at least one signal. Right. Um, And so then it's like getting to know my manager and my boss and to the extent that the extent that I feel comfortable sharing more about my personal life with my boss and what I did over the weekend and if I disclose that my partner is a male and and what sort of impact that might that might have. So I remember early in my career, I was working for a uh, in, in my in a sales job in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was traveling with my boss at the time. And I was it's pretty early on in my career, still just sort of like developing some confidence in myself as an openly gay man. And he asked me what I was doing, you know, uh, the next weekend. And I was like, gosh, do I do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? Do I gloss over? Do I just give vague details? Because I was doing something really exciting with my boyfriend at the time. And I just decided to I just decided to talk about it. And I could see his face went really red. And I think he was surprised and a little uncomfortable. So that made me a little uncomfortable. So it's like those little things that we just have to think about. It takes up space, you know, when when we're trying to just focus on other things where it's, it takes mental, you know, cognitive energy away from what we need to do. I read a stat once, Chris, I was putting together some content for a DEI um, keynote. And I read something about the allyship gap. And I read and consume and present a lot of information around diversity and inclusion and belonging and creating safe spaces. And I had never really read about the allyship gap in this way. And it basically said that uh, the percentage of people who say they feel the impact and benefit of allyship versus the percentage of people who say they're they're an ally, there's a difference. Like if you if we polled everybody in this community, are you an ally? Everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. But if we actually asked the people who need the benefits of allyship the most, so marginalized, underrepresented, 
you know, those who don't feel a sense of belonging, who require championship and allyship, like the person, the gap is, is way different. Like people would say, mm. I don't actually feel this. I don't feel the benefits mm. of allyship in the way that I mm. need to or want to. Um, mm. And I think your story is a really powerful example. Nobody would say they're, well, let me correct myself. Most people would say they're not anti fill in the blank, but are they an active ally who shows up and actively creates space where they can ask a question like that and the space is okay and safe for whatever the answer might be without surprise and judgment and like weirdness. <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah. Like we have to think about this stuff. Well, you said earlier, you said knowledge is, is power or knowledge is everything. And yeah. And it's it's it is it's it's knowledge and and perspective and understanding and even within the LGBTQ plus community there's there's so many diverse identities and experiences yeah. and you know I actually have a lot of privilege as a cis white gay male within that community and I there's so there's so many experiences that I don't even understand or that I need to learn more about in order to have more understanding. So for example, I just started working with a, um, a senior HR leader who identifies as trans and, and non-binary. And it's in through my work with them, I, I'm learning a lot about the, the experience. And that's, you know, obviously as a, as a coach coaching this person, like they're, they're my focus, but we have an agreement too, to, for me to be open to like asking questions about experience in a way that doesn't, you know, burden them to you know, educate me, but to really share and build understanding and, and empathy. Yeah. And something that struck me is the, the experience as a trans person, you know, shifting the way that other people relate to you. So, so for example, if, if it's a, a trans, a trans male, for example, that person is, is now experiencing other people relating to them as a male, which is very different than how they were relating to them as a female, right? Based mm -hmm. on how society typically works. And so there's so much understanding and learning that has to happen there. Yeah. Um, if people don't know, I think like, like, let's not make any assumptions. If you just heard Chris say, sis, and you don't know what that means, go Google it. Like talk about knowledge is power. You can be a better ally by Googling sis, C-I-S right now. If you don't know about gender pronouns, when and how to use them, how to ask for somebody's pronouns, like go, go into uptime and hack it. I challenge you right now. <laughs> if me, you don't, yeah, go ahead, sorry, Jason. Sorry, just let me, Chris, based on that, like, where do you, where do you recommend getting that knowledge? Hmm. Because, you know, and so I mean, my com my question is a couple fold, you know, it goes back to the comment that was made in the chat earlier about, are we making progress? Are we moving forward? Are we moving backward? I'd like to talk about that, but then also, I mean, as a 50 X year old straight male, you know, hearing you use the word queer, to me, it, that's like offensive. Like why, why, is he, right. why is he using that word? You know, and I'm, I'm being, laughing because- I'm being totally I'm honest yeah, and go ahead. blunt with yeah. you. And I'm turning red, but I'm kind of like, <laughs> I would never call someone queer. You know, yeah. but like, where do you learn? Where do you know? What's the best mm -hmm. way to learn about what is acceptable and how to make people feel included and include you know in in these types of situations? Yeah, I'll just first share because my dad, I, I love my dad so much, and he's he's he he's like such a good example of someone who just wants to learn and understand, and so he's heard me use that word more and. And, and he had a similar reaction and, and now he uses the word and I'm like, yeah, go dad, you got this. Like you're totally owning it and it's, and it's awesome. And, um, but, but just on that note, we sort of reclaimed that word, I think in, in the same way that other folks have done that for their identities. But I mean, they're like out leadership, for example, is a great organization that, that produces a lot of research uh, on the LGBTQ plus experience at work. So that's one place to go. Um, but there's, I mean, there's plenty of resources if you just Google these things um, to understand. Um, and the other thing that's really made an impact for me, because I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, is just to follow 
people who you don't typically like have in your network. So I just learned so much because my feed is filled with diverse perspectives and experiences mm -hmm. of people that I don't otherwise get to like talk to or, or get to know in my daily life. So um, I think that's another huge way to do that is just get more of that information coming into you, into your feed, into your presence. So I'm, it's always endearing when people compare me to their father, so <laughs> uh, to, you know, to start, but um, I'm just kidding, but I'm sure he's a great person. But when we, when we, when we think about that concept of moving forward and moving backward, like I, I always think about my father in the situation who I've referenced here, like we, he would have never grown up in an era where we'd have this conversation or we even be comfortable having this conversation, not even like just with me alone, a little less in front of a big group like this. So mm -hmm. there's a part of me that knows we're moving forward, but then there's another question, which do you feel like we're moving forward or do you feel like we're stuck in the muck kind of as far as making progress in these areas? Mm. It's such a loaded, complicated question. You know, I live in Florida, which is, um, I moved here about a year ago, and it's kind of a complicated state. In, the most in inclusive sense. state, right? In the world. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, when you look across the country, there is a ton of anti-trans legislation that's, that's happening and that's getting passed. There's the Stop Woke Act in Florida that's making people who focus on DEI trainings and organizations have to completely rethink how they're approaching these topics because of the potential to get sued. So even me as an you know, a, I'm just a one person business. If I go into a company in Florida and start doing a training around DEI and maybe someone feels uncomfortable based on how the language that I've used, I'm, I'm at risk of getting sued by that person individually. So it's making just all these things that are making it more difficult. So there's a lot of signals that are saying like, no, we're not moving forward. But um, I, I think, you know, it, it really depends on where you are. And I think there's a lot more, um, you know, you look at the research and more folks like in Gen Z, for example, are, are sort of comfortable coming out and sharing their identities more often. So I think, I think there's, there's positive signs in, in areas. And then there's also things that, that kind of like, today that that have us a little bit heavy heavy on the heart yeah um speaking of somebody mentioned i think suzanne yeah thank you for mentioning ergs employee resource groups mm. or you might call them employee business networks eb i've heard you know employee resource networks there's different acronyms but those are great channels uh to share communication knowledge information support resources I had the complete honor of working with McDonald's Global Advisory Council around DEI and presented something about, you know, don't don't underestimate the complexity of being global. And what I mean by that is, and the response came back in the room from one of their international uh, council members, there are, for a global company, there are countries in the world where being gay is illegal. That still exists. And in for companies who employ a global workforce, if you have an ERG, that might be the only place where it, the literal only place in their life where it's safe to self-identify. That is a crazy thing to say out loud, but that is still the state of the world. And so not underestimating cultural differences and literal global complexity around this um, is, is a real challenge as well. But kudos to those of you who are creating those spaces and those ERGs and sharing education and support um, in support of, of your workforce, because again, that might be the safest space they know that they have actually. Yeah, it's true. Some of my favorite work is working with the coaching leaders of ERGs. I do a lot of work with pride ERGs and these folks typically don't get paid. It's basically like a second job on top of their normal job. Yeah. And they're just a pleasure to work with because they have so much heart. They're so committed to making change and creating opportunities for folks at their company to feel safe, to have a wonderful experience working there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. Chris, do you still work or hear about a lot of companies that don't have ERGs or don't talk about this or aren't open to the conversation? 
Um, I mean, I know that we, you know, we work with mostly Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 organizations, and almost all of them, I'm not going to say have to, but all of them have put in, I shouldn't say all of them, all, most of them have put in place capabilities for people to learn and to understand. But do you, I mean, you know, as someone who's in this space, do you still run across companies where you're like, wow, like this feels like, you know, sorry to date myself, but the Flintstones, you know, like this makes no, this makes no sense whatsoever that these companies are still acting this way. Well, frankly, I don't see it as often. And maybe that's just the networks that I'm, that I'm part of and the companies I work with. I have such a privilege of working with companies that I want to work with. And I really enjoy working with people first companies who get it. Um, it's much more enjoyable for me. Whereas a DEI consultant, for example, may, may really love to come into a company that has a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like my coaching and the work that a DEI consultant does is very different uh, in terms of expertise and what we're focusing on. So, I mean, I would say for smaller companies, it's pretty common that ERGs are not as robust or just kind of getting started. But mm -hmm. for the most part, I in the spaces and a lot of the tech companies I work with, it's pretty common, um, at least to have ERGs and to be making progress. And what, and what would you say people can do to, if, you know, if their organization doesn't have that in place, or even if their organization does at a macro level, but in the micro level, how can managers make their employees feel safe, like a safe mm. space? Um, how, can Great question. how can colleagues make other colleagues feel that it's a safe space. Um, you know, I'm not looking for necessarily a checklist, but Mira, there's some tips that you've put, you've seen put in place that ch that move the needle on this. I mean, this may sound sound like self um, promotional, but I mean, I I am so passionate about the fact that coaching is a, a, an avenue to support exactly what you're talking about. So the clients that I work with, not who 50% uh, of my clients identify as LGBTQ plus and 50% do not. And regardless, through coaching, not only are they becoming better leaders and, you know, working towards the objectives that they have, but they're becoming better coaches. And mm -hmm. they're starting to like the, 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 the awareness that they're building for themselves is having them also relate to other people with more compassion, more empathy, more curiosity, more understanding. So when you when you then think about that at scale, you have like we have to create room for more coaching conversations, for more conversations and safe spaces where people can engage in these topics. But your average manager does not know how to coach, you know, and your average manager doesn't know how to have a conversation that really is about helping to draw out you know, and help clarify the thinking of their employees to help them move forward. So that's mm -hmm. why at the very least, I say, make sure your managers are having regular one-on-ones and uh, and make sure that there's space that, that in those one-on-ones to talk about things that are not just, you know, your projects and action items and deliverables, but what else is going on for you? What else? What else is top of mind? I truly think like, this is this is why inclusivity and representation is so important. If the only leaders in your company have never are, are well represented, like have never had to worry about representation, have never had to question their voice, their influence, their authority, their decision making power, like all of that is assumed. They don't have the perspective of somebody who doesn't take that for granted, who doesn't assume that. And so it's a bigger stretch for them to have to understand the need for creating safe space. Like they, they, they have to sort of put themselves in somebody else's shoes, not assumed or taken for granted, where right. somebody has to think about and use the emotional and mental energy you used when a simple question like, what are you doing this weekend for fun? Like the emotional and mental energy for you to process your answer and wonder what the reaction is going to be. Somebody who's never had to think that way has to stop down and think twice about creating that space for others. And so when you have a person who's in a leadership position who understands that intimately, 
because they've been marginalized or underrepresented, or they they have those lived experiences, like what a great model of behavior for them to show other leaders, this is how you don't make assumptions. This is how you don't pass judgment. This is how you create space and send signals. You talked about looking for mm. signals. This is how you send signals to the workforce that this is a safe space. You belong here. We yeah. welcome yeah. you here. And we welcome diversity thrives here because we make it so. Yeah, yeah, it's such a such a such a powerful thing. And I think what what also struck me on this call when you started this call was how you both really showed up as leaders to acknowledge what was in the room. So I talk a lot about the invisible context and how oftentimes we don't bring what's invisible to the surface to actually see it. And instead we just operate on top of all the thoughts, thoughts, mindsets, beliefs, emotions, feelings that are happening beneath the surface. But you modeled as people who have sort of power in this space, what it's like to, to create space for that invisible context the stuff that's happening to, to be talked about so that we can then move through it and do something about it. But everyone, if you think about in your organization, I mean, we're all humans and we all have stories that we make up about ourselves and other people. And if you think about the stories that every single person who's leading a department probably has about uh, a story about, you know, not wanting to fail, a story about um, whatever I do is never gonna be enough, a story about if I don't get this right, then I'm gonna get fired. People have these stories and, and that those stories then start running the show you know, and so it's like, we need to ha have space to have conversations to talk through that stuff. Um, and it's just been my experience in my corporate career that typically that's just not like, we don't talk about that stuff. It's just like, let's get to the next thing. Let's move on. Um, and, and I think what I learned through all of that was if there's something that you, you know, if there's something that you see that you want to create that doesn't exist already, that's your cue to bring it into this space, not your cue that it doesn't belong. So for me, as someone who I think really embodies a sense of compassion and intimacy and peace, I was like struggling to figure out how that fits into the workplace because mm. I didn't see it around me. Mm. And so it was like, I, it doesn't belong. But what I realized is that is exactly what is needed in the space because it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, one more thing I just want to get to really quickly is I love the quote on your website. Mm. You're showing up for everyone else, but who's showing up for you? Mm. I, I shouldn't say a quote. I love that. Passage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's such a strong start, you know, when you go to your website and see that, that passage, like what made you use that? Like, was that what, what made you, what got you to that? Well, so, as a former head of people, I I know what it's like to have a ton of responsibility uh, to to bear a lot of the emotional weight of what's happening in the organization, to be focused on everybody else's growth, development, learning, to be the person who's hiring coaches for your executives. But like, what what support are you getting? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's it blows my mind. So as I started building my coaching business, I felt a real sense of connection to supporting other HR leaders who are doing amazing work and don't have the support they need. And so yeah. that's where that came from is you're, you are literally constantly showing up for everybody else. Just think about the last two years and everything that you all have had to do for everyone that is so far outside what you were expecting to do as an HR leader. Um, and, and so it's, for me, it's really giving back to people that I, really love and good people so mm. you mentioned I'll, I'll just end by we talk a lot about the workforce and business and all of that you mentioned it's becoming more common and commonplace i guess for gen z to come out and for the for these topics mm. to be safe topics and more regular conversation i'm raising three girls 13 11 and 9 and i will affirm, and there are lots of parents and caregivers in this community, not just business leaders and HR leaders, like some of us are also uh, raising right. the next generation. And I will affirm, it is absolutely true that gender identity conversations are happening much earlier 
Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So if some of you are, are, you know, love a little person and you're also witnessing this, like, wow, how interesting. This didn't happen when I was growing up. These were not table, you know, talk conversations when I was growing up. I'll say that's true for me. Um, and so, so maybe, and I love that you, you identified your dad as one of your biggest champions. Like that's amazing. So for the parents, the caregivers, who are listening, how can we show up for our kids? Uh, any tips there? We, we always talk about work, work, work. We're humans, we have lives and little people mm -hmm. in our households. Any any parting words to help us be good, good people for the little ones? Mm. It's just, you're activating a lot of emotions because I think yeah. about the time that I came out to my dad and came out to my mom. And I mean, the impact that it had for them to welcome me when I came out is just like, I can't imagine what my life would be like if, mm -hmm. if, that, if that response was different. So to me, just like unconditional love is so powerful to be curious, to ask questions, to let your kids know that you love them no matter what. Um, and it's just so impactful to, to feel loved in that way. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, Tracy, that's such a good point. The feelings of children in previous generations, the feelings of children, like you didn't get to have feelings. Like you weren't mm -hmm. people yet. You weren't like full human beings yet that got to own your emotions. I think that conversation is changing. Uh, I brought my girls to a pride fashion show last weekend here in Minneapolis, and they absolutely loved it. Um, they're well exposed to to these um, concepts and conversations and ideas. One of their best little friends in the whole entire world uh, has already come out to them because they are his mm. safe space. And he asked mm. for mascara for his birthday because he didn't want to ask his parents. And I said, well, if he if he wears the mascara, his parents will see it. Are they going to like it? And they said, I think so. So Zach got mascara for his birthday and his parents love it. So it's so such a heartwarming, like that, like my kids are little and this is already mm. like, the, again, this did not happen in my grade school. I'm so happy yeah. that this conversation is changing in front of our eyes. Um, I think that's a, a huge thing to celebrate. And, and it's something that we can, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's something that we can learn from as leaders is like, what's the impact of not allowing someone to be who they are and just think about the impact on that kid or me or anyone else who was told like, that doesn't belong here. So so cover that up a little bit more because you're that's not what you're supposed to do. That's just not gonna let that person be an effective uh, leader. Yeah. Yeah, no, agree. And I was just gonna say, thank you so much for being who you are. Um, Jess, you made Jessica cry. I, um, I awesome. cried when that happened. I was like, yeah. oh my God, you guys. But Chris, thank you so much for being who you are. Uh, and thank you for being brave. Um, and thank you for uh, sharing with all of us. And, uh, you know, in the call to action, there was a link there earlier as to how to get a hold of uh, Chris and his website. So, Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you. Thank you all so much. Yeah, have a great, great. weekend. Thank you, you so too. much. Ah. Oh. I love Fridays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, hey, guys, I see at the bottom there's a link to our next webinar, which is so boring compared to that. I'm going to leverage core HR. Technology. I'm not going to say it's boring. I'm going to be presenting. But how to work, optim optimize and replace core HR uh, to make work better. So uh, I see that link right there, so I might as well say register. Thank you guys for all of your email addresses. Yeah. Um, we'll get uptime out to you. I'm gonna go and, back and comb through them right now. Looking yes, your exactly. And uh, and look forward to talking to you guys. Uh, well, Jess, where will you be next Friday? Minneapolis? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, next Friday is the beginning. If you're in the United States, it's 4th of July holiday weekend. I'm gonna be here. We're doing staycation, fun local stuff. Uh, over the holiday weekend. I guess you're in Maine. We have one of my dear friends, by the way, one of the most brilliant digital experience creators is our guest next Friday. Like we're going outside of HR. Ugh. She's amazing. It's going to be so much fun. We, and we, God, Jason, we have like an incredible lineup coming oh, up. Oh, July is going to be rocking. Oh it's my God. That's all we'll say. Yeah. Have a great awesome. weekend. All right. Thank you, everybody. Happy Friday. Take care.